The Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory, Glory to you, O Lord. Some Sadducees, those who say there is no resurrection, came to Jesus and asked him a question. Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies, leaving a wife but no children, the man shall marry the widow and raise up children for his brother. Now there were seven brothers, the first married and died childless. Then the second and the third married her. And in so the same way all seven died childless. Finally, the woman also died. In the resurrection, therefore, whose wife will the woman be? For the seven had married her. Jesus said to them, Those who belong to this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Indeed, they cannot die anymore because they are like angels and are children of God, being children of the resurrection. And the fact that the dead are raised, Moses himself showed in the story about the bush where he speaks of the Lord as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now he is God, not of the dead, but of the living. For to him, all of them are alive. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord. Full body. That's a term we normally hear applied to maybe a fine wine or a craft beer. I've even heard the term full-bodied used to describe the quality of sound of music that comes from a record player as opposed to listening to it digitally. The term full-bodied, it implies a rich, substantial, satisfying flavor or sound. It's a term that we might even often associate with a sense of wholeness or completeness. And as we gather together in this time between All Saints and the season of Advent, where feelings of anticipation or thoughts of the future and the afterlife might be on our minds, and especially in light after hearing these texts today from our lectionary that deal directly with the afterlife. I want to also try something. I want to apply this term, full-bodied, to describe the resurrection. Now, when it comes to the afterlife, outside of the full-bodied resurrection, we have a lot of other competing ideas about what might happen when we die. The Greek philosophers taught about the immortality of the soul. And for many who have lost loved ones, that is a comforting thought, that there is some essence of them that never really fully dies. Another way that the afterlife is often portrayed is the way in which westernized Christianity has described it, as a destination. You either go to heaven or to hell, or to purgatory for some, and that might give us comfort if we think we're going to the good place, or it might bring us fear if there are doubts about where we'll end up. And I'm not here to, like, disprove either of those ideas of the afterlife, because the fact that I'm standing up here talking to you is proof that I have no direct experience with the afterlife, and so I'm not speaking from a place of authority on this to tell you what it's like. But I also do have to confess that I come to you today with my faith that
that is rooted in the resurrection. The hope of the resurrection, not the hope of the immortality of the soul or a heavenly destination, but the full-bodied resurrection. And I'm also not up here to give you a lesson in Christian orthodoxy. I want to be perfectly clear that what I'm saying about my hope of this full-bodied resurrection in the afterlife is not a declaration of certainty, but a statement of faith. My hope rests in the resurrection, not only because what it promises me when I die, but also how it affects me, how I live. The full-bodied hope of the resurrection outpours itself into my life, into an embodied love. You see, when I think of heaven or the immortal soul, both of those concepts feel a bit disembodied to me. But when I think about the resurrection and the hope that it gives, it's a full-bodied kind of hope because the resurrection promises to us that our embodied, whole selves will find some way unity with God. And because of that full-bodied resurrection hope that, we, that I have in the afterlife, I live with the conviction that our bodies, my body, here and now, is good and holy. And we should love our bodies because God, too, loves the wholeness of these bodies and promises a full-bodied resurrection for us. In our first reading from Job, he says, In my flesh I shall see God, indicating a bodily life after death. And when pressed with tough questions this morning in our gospel from the Sadducees, Jesus, too, affirms this resurrection hope. Neither of these stories provide us with some definitive, vivid picture of the afterlife. So, in a way, I can empathize with these Sadducees who desire to know more about what the resurrection will actually be like. But the most we get from Jesus is not what the afterlife is going to be like, but a picture of what it won't be like. And to put it simply, it won't be like this. The question that the Sadducees ask Jesus about the woman who married seven brothers and which one will she belong to in the resurrection, it's their attempt to poke a hole in this idea of the resurrection, to problematize it. But the problem with their question in the first place is that it's predicated on the assumption that the resurrection will be more of the same of what we have now. And in response, Jesus' answer insists that the resurrection life is qualitatively different than what life is as we know it. Specifically for this woman in the text, who would have been regarded as property of all of her seven husbands during this time, it's in the, libera it's in the resurrection that she will be liberated, no longer property of any man, but restored to full body fullness. Jesus is not interested in carrying on the oppressive norms of ownership and control, but transforms the way we relate to people, possessions, and creation that surround us. So if that's the case, that our relationships then are radically transformed in the resurrection, I sense then there might be a question arising for us now as to whether or not we will know our loved ones then in the same way in the afterlife that we know them now. And Lutheran pastor David Lose answers that question this way. He says, Jesus does not say that 
we will not know those who have been dear to us, only that the resurrection life will not be marked by the same features as this one. Pastor Los goes on to illustrate this point with an example. After he taught an adult forum on the resurrection, a parishioner came to him and was very upset. Her husband had died the previous year, and her belief in the immortality of the soul is what had brought her comfort throughout that year. So as gently as Pastor Los could, he said that he did not want to take that comfort away, but rather to make it stronger, more complete. What I want and what I hope for you, he said, is a more than wispy essence of your husband. I want the whole person for you, the whole person created, loved, and now redeemed by God in and through Christ. Over time, it seemed like it was that affirmation that helped this woman reckon with her grief over her husband, not by denying the grief, but by promising that there would be an end to it. And indeed, there will be an end to our grief, our tears, and our suffering when God creates a new heaven and a new earth and invites us, invites us all through the resurrection to live there with God in the fellowship of the saints. That's what full-bodied hope of the resurrection looks like to me. Not the continuation of systems and institutions that oppress or bring death, but the resurrection of all things that give life and all things that embody love. For our God is not a God of the dead, but a God of the living. And through our faith, we know that our Redeemer lives. The resurrection, with all of its mystery, it might not give us that instant gratification of heaven or the immortal soul, but I believe it does more to impact the way that we live in our bodies here and now. Because we trust and hope that at the last, we will, in our resurrected whole selves, see God. And it's that full-bodied future hope that becomes embodied present love. Amen. Amen.